Hey guys, Barney here. I just want to take a quick moment to talk about the program that brings The Big Top to life, Zencaster. I use Zencaster for all my recordings, and since taking over The Big Top fully, I have actually tried other systems, but I ended up sticking with Zencaster. It's so easy to use. You don't have to download anything, just log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. It records studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with guests, along with a full suite of professional tools that let you produce and publish all from one dashboard. Being a creator has genuinely never been easier. And I love that I can send a simple link to my guests and we can record over a video call wherever they are in the world. Also, if you're like me and cannot stand the sound of your voice, Zencaster's built-in post-production process makes such a difference. It automatically removes ums and ahs, awkward pauses, reduces background noise, and makes me sound so much better. Plus, the hobbyist and Creator Plus accounts are always free to use, and their professional accounts are free to try for 14 days, no credit card required. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code BIGTOP, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Hi there. My tinnitus keeps worsening and I'm afraid I'll kill my family. Welcome to The Big Top. Today, I had the privilege of sitting down with Donkey Dope to talk all things donkey. And yes, I mean that literally. You will get to hear my attempts to perfect my bray. A quick reminder to please rate and review if you get the chance. It really helps get the word out about the podcast, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Today, the circus is in San Francisco, California. So join me as we go under The Big Top. But thanks for doing this so short notice. No problem. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> Quite. But yeah, we're here now. We're doing it. Okay, don't fall over. I'm moving things out of the way because I know... Oh, fuck. <gasps> the more excited I get, which will happen, um, the more expressive I get, and then the more I start elbowing everything around me. The hand wavy. So I'm just moving... Yeah, yeah, the hand movements start. The old leg begins. This is also such a hot part of the house, and I, and it has to be for the fucking all the sound shit so it's funny because it's like it's summer obviously but here in san francisco it's always the same temperature so it's like it's like 65 degrees and it, i'm always wearing sweatshirts and pants and stuff and i just never feel like it's summer so when i talk to other people that are saying you know you know it's hot outside and like oh we're sweating i'm like i don't know what that's like <laughs> i mean okay 65 is 18 celsius so that's that's hot. That's still hot for English, by English standards. Warm. I mean, it's not like summer warm, you know, and I'm like, I'm a skinny dude. So like, if it gets below like 70 degrees, I'm like, I'm cold. Honestly, uh, fuck you. <laughs> it is like 18 is like, hot. we're having like a crazy hot. Actually, every year for the past however many years, we've had the hottest recorded temperature. I know. It's like almost like something's going on with the climate. I know. What is that? Probably oh. not, though. The scientists would have said No. <laughs> no, they would have, honestly. Well, I mean, if they did, then I mean. That's... You would have clearly listened, obviously. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's not true. I mean, God wouldn't do that to us. No way. <laughs> <laughs> we're so good to the planet. Why would anyone? No, oh, come on. Yeah, but like if I, in the winter here, if I walk out the house too fast, I start sweating. Like I turned 23 and lost the ability to regulate my body temperature and it never came back. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a good one. I don't remember that. If I leave the house too fast, I start sweating. Seriously. And I'll do that thing where like I'll put 
a, a jacket on, start sweating, immediately then like have to take it off. But then I'm covered in sweat, so I'm immediately freezing. Oh, so then I put it back on and then it, it's really difficult being me. You get that a little bit here in San Francisco too, because you have to layer up because the weather is, you know, can change or whatever. And it's not hot, but it's like, it's just enough that you need a sweatshirt. But there's also tons of hills everywhere. So like you put it on because you're cold when you leave your apartment and you walk up a hill and then you're hot and, you're it, and then you're sweaty and then you're, the wind blows by and you're putting it back on. It's terrible. No, not the hills, not the hills. The hills are alive. The hills aren't alive with anything. They're dead. <laughs> I can't. I, li- I used to live on a like a huge hill, like at the bottom of the huge hill. Mm. And and like no one drives here. Right. So are you? I wrote some notes and made myself some notes. Good, because that means you're just way more organized than I. You'll notice I keep looking at my other screen here occasionally because I've written things like Pinocchio question mark. Oh, OK. Yeah, totally. Great. <laughs> Good, good stuff. Great. Yeah, really, really on the ball, me. You've lucked out because I'm a, I'm a chatterbox and I love talking about everything. Good. Time, so. Well, I'm a horrible interrupter, so this is going to go swimmingly. Oh, I love crosstalk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess the main thing I want to know, like, talk to me about Donkey Boys. Explain what they are, how it happened for you, and wh- wh- why are they so popular on the internet right now? Well, it, it's funny. I mean, gosh, it seems like it's gotten really popular lately. And Huge. I like to think that I don't have anything to do with that, but other people have told me that like oh no i've seen some of your stuff blah 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 blah. um and so i'm like i'm inclined to agree it's funny that people say that to me because what so i mean kind of like going way back even before the donkey stuff like i you know obviously i was in abdl for a long time but you know mostly kind of like private i did post some pictures like on on sites and stuff but i kept it like you know pretty close to the chest and i had never dated anyone that knew about it and you know i was always a little embarrassed about it and about 10 years ago now, um, I was dating somebody at the time who was like kind of like Tumblr famous. And um, they told me, you know, that I should start a Tumblr and use it as an opportunity to kind of explore some of my own fetishes and like kind of like get out there. And once I did that, I felt like, oh my gosh, there's like so many diaper people on um, Tumblr at the time that I felt like I can really put myself out there. I can really grow community. And one of the main things that I wanted to do was, you know, at that time, you know, People were still sort of diaper stuff was still sort of just kind of like taboo. It wasn't as uh-huh. as it is now. Like it's definitely much bigger now. And oh, yeah. one of the goals for that Tumblr was there wasn't a lot of great content out there for diaper boys, um, and I had no qualms about taking my clothes off. So I was like, I'd be happy to put myself out there as um, as a way for other people to see that it's okay to express yourself in that way, and that you know, not that I, you know, that everyone needs to go out and put pictures of themselves on the internet, but more. I wanted to kind of be the content I wanted to see in the world. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, and it's very similar with the donkey stuff because on my Tumblr for a very long time, it was like I mostly focused just on DL stuff. I still was very reserved about the donkey stuff because I felt like it was so niche. Like the diaper stuff was niche, but I knew that there was other people who were into it. And there's like a connection to it because everyone at some point was in diapers. And so like, right. it's, it's relatable. I feel like a little bit more to other people, whereas like the donkey stuff really feels like it's kind of out of like left field. And so um, I was less, you know, I was less able to kind of like explore that online just because I was like very self-conscious about it. Cause it, anytime I would talk about it to people, it's like, they'd be like, what? And I have to like explain a whole lot and like how we get here. Um, when I, when Tumblr basically died, I moved over to 
uh, Twitter. And when I made that move, I actually changed my Tumblr name. I used to go by Little Scruff or Little Scruff, and then I changed it to Donkey Dope because I wanted to because there was a lot more like furries on Twitter, and I wanted okay. to explore the donkey side of me a little bit more and have that be more of like a main thrust. And so like once I made that change, um, I felt like okay, now I can start posting on Twitter with the donkey stuff, the way that I was posting on Tumblr with the AVDL stuff, right? As the kind of content that I wanna see in the world. And, you know, here we are like four years into that Twitter and I feel like it worked. Like, I feel like, you know, I started putting yeah. a lot of donkey stuff and now I'm starting to see it kind of more and more. Um, and there's people who I had known in the community who are also into it. And so I see them and like, that's like, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, we've known each other for a while, but then there's like a lot of people who come out of the woodwork who totally. are curious or want to know yep. more about it or are just like, you know, like really subby and like they want to be subby and however they're going to, you know, and it, whatever way makes like the, the Dom feel good. And so, you know, I've incorporated donkey play into some of that. And like, I've like transformed a lot of people who were not initially into it um online and it's yeah it was hot <laughs> I, I yeah i know exactly what you mean because me and clowns is like the exact same thing i totally get making the 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 thing you wanted to see in the world again like when i was younger i used to resent the idea that i would like have to do that and now i'm so glad that i want to do that because then people who don't want to do that themselves at least get to see it and know that they're like not the weirdest person in the world but also like so many people are up for it and have gotten into it and have gotten really into it since trying it that I'm like, it, it boggles my mind. And I totally see that online with, with donkey boys, like your stuff. I think there's a couple other people that I have followed, but I think you were the first one who I, it kind of clicked something in my brain. I was like, mm. I see how this is fun mm -hmm. and I want to try it. That's good. I mean, that's great. That's what the, the Twitter is there for, right? And to kind of put it out there. Um, and to, because like when it comes to like donkey transformation stuff, like there's a couple of pieces of media that exist out there. I mean, Pinocchio is obviously one, but there's a couple of others, but not a ton. So a lot of the content has to kind of come from within the community. I do think it's very interesting that like, you know, because there's not as much media out there that there's still such a strong reaction from people, right? Like it, yeah. you know, the people that are into it or that have gotten into it, like are like really into it. Like they can, you know, there's a, there's a really strong connection to that, to that. You know what I mean? Do you think, okay, wait, was it Pleasure Island for you? Is that how it all kind of, did that sow the seed? I, I mean, I think so, right? I think that's probably where it started because I definitely, you know, remember watching that scene and feeling a certain sort of way as, uh, uh -huh. as a child. Um, but then it was also kind of like um, added on to that. So like, so I saw that scene when I was a kid and it made me feel a certain kind of way. And I remember that I had like a Pinocchio coloring book that I had. And I must have been like seven or eight, right? Like, really young and um and and it was like christmas and i was like coloring in the coloring book but then like there's like it's like the whole stuff before pleasure island he goes to pleasure island he gets the ears whatever and then he like jumps in the water um and then he turns into a real boy at the end of the at the end of the coloring book but i didn't like that so i like drew in donkey ears and a tail on him in the coloring book once like eight years old um and you know i can very vividly remember doing this and um i had like a not a ton but i had a couple of different 
editions of like Pinocchio, like the story, like in because we you know we had books in the house or whatever, and we had a couple different versions of it. And so like I would always like pour over the different illustrations from the different books. You know, some of the books were illustrated in kind of more of a like realistic style, and some of the illustrations were done in more of kind of like a cutesy like animation like disney type style and so i i appreciated the different ways in which it was depicted depending on the style of the illustration um and that's like something that kind of got got me into art a little bit right which is that i I learned from a really early age that same subject matter but different ways of interpreting the scene or different ways of interpreting through stylistic uh deployment and i i just i found that to be really interesting and then when i was in middle school one of my best friend was in a like they had like a summer play that they did or whatever and the play was pinocchio and he got turned into a donkey in the play and i just thought like literally it was like drooling at the mouth just being like i couldn't believe that it was happening in front of me <laughs> like so hot and i like i can remember i like, going home after that and like just being in my room by myself quiet you know again middle school i'm like you know 10 or 11 years old and uh just like my heart just beating in my chest mm-hmm. and just like thinking about it over and over and over again for like hours. <laughs> I, I love that this thing that they thought was like a cautionary tale, you know, don't, don't drink and smoke and gamble or you'll get turned into a donkey. And then uh, there's a whole generation of kids who are like, wait, we can get turned into donkey. That's all I want to do now. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Give me the beer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's a part of it for me is like, there's like a punishment aspect to it. And I, that right. I enjoy, um, that yeah. it's like, you know, you misbehave, like, this is something that will happen to you. Um, or if you misbehave, like you become like the thing that, you know, is like inside. And that's like one of the things that we talk about when I do scenes is like, you know, that you've always been this way. It's just been uh-huh. inside of you. And now it's like your true self is coming out. Um, yes, and yeah. it's it's like no matter what you do, you can't uh, get away from you know the the naughtiness that's inside or whatever. Yeah, and I just think that that's part of it, and it's the same thing with like I think diaper play too, which is like there's there is kind of a punishment like humiliation aspect. To yeah, it. absolutely. And I can see like to me like that's like kind of where those two things kind of like connect together, and where I like oh yeah match them a little bit because uh, you know they're they're pulling on the same kind of themes. Well, I also like the the punitive aspect, but then also the like there's something about you're an animal and so we have to diaper you. Like there's something about like we, we're taking all your inhibitions away and we're taking your ability to do anything rational or anything human-like. And it's just, I don't know, it just feels like another layer of humiliation. Do you do that with like other, is it always donkeys or do you find that the transformation itself is the thing that grips you? Yeah, this is like an interesting question because you know, donkeys is like a small scene of what, like what's like called like a TF community or transformation yeah. community. And there are, and I've joined a couple of sites with other TFers and, you know, it runs the gamut. Like there's huge, like, you know, some people are into being turned into like office chairs or like Ottomans. Mm-hmm. And some people want to be like your used jockstrap or whatever. That kind of inanimate um, transformation is never really, it's not one for me, really. It's not something that I find erotic but i get it i get where people are coming from for me it's specifically animals and specifically animals that 
I think are, are kind of embarrassing. So like, you know, donkeys and pigs are the ones that I probably end up doing mm-hmm. the most. I have done others, but like, those are the ones I think that, that really connect with people. Um, donkeys, because like, you know, that's my favorite thing. And pigs, I, I think connects to people, particularly like gay men, because like, it is a term that's kind of thrown around in the gay community that means like, you know, you know, can mean like sub or things like that. But when it's thrown around, it, they don't mean a literal pig, but I like making it literal, right? Like, oh, so like, yeah. you know, it, that's like, what's fun about it is like, oh, you're casually throwing around this term. Well, now like you're going to become one for real, right? Uh-huh. And I find that really, really hot. It makes me think of Spirited Away because <laughs> like, uh, I remember watching that and that I, I've spoken before about how like the sadism of like these things we watch as children like it freaked me out as a child that they got punished in this horrible way that they were transformed and sort of became fascinated by that idea. And now I really like that idea. And even if it's not always the thing I like to see happen most, like pigs is a lot of fun. Oh yeah. There's a lot of things. I mean, cows, like that's, that's new for me. My friends recently got me into that. That was something that I almost never saw before. Like I, I, I know one person who's a DL that's really into cow play and has been into it for a long time. And we've talked a little bit, but like literally just them. And then, you know, within the, I would say the last 12 months, really, I've seen it on Twitter. Everyone everywhere a lot and you know again with the milking coming like you know kind of like yeah are we talking about the same person um we might be i'm not sure crinkle moo do you know that no yeah but i know who you're talking about yeah crinkle moo i remember seeing there's a few like i know people who have been doing it for a little while but it's huge on tumblr now Uh, on twitter now (gasps) oh it's interesting to me because like you know, people will sometimes ask if I'm a furry and I kind of always like put a question mark there because I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't have an OC. Like, I, I mean, I've uh-huh. thought of, I feel like it would be cool to have an OC, but I, I, I'm a little intimidated by the, by the furry community, to be quite honest. There, When I first was coming into the donkey space, there were a couple of donkey fursuiters that I had like reached out to and I was like really excited and I was like, I don't really know like where I fit or whatever. And um, I won't say his name, but the one guy I talked to was like kind of mean to me and I was like, oh, is this uh. you like? I was like, okay, maybe this isn't my community. And um, I kind of like went off and did my own thing. Um, but th- I mean, there are elements about it that feel very furry-ish. And um, because there's like so much furry content out there and on Twitter, and there's just a lot of it, yeah. it's really interesting to me to see these people who are kind of like in the in-between space where they're not a furry, but like the act of like transforming is what's like, like I don't want to be like a donkey like all the time. It's like, it's just the act of going from human to donkey that's interesting to me or that's yeah. erotic, right? Um, uh-huh. Well, I wouldn't say no to a tail all the time. That would be pretty awesome. I'd be into that. <laughs> a donkey tail? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I would. I If everyone had a donkey tail, I that would be like chef's kiss to me. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that <laughs> general, I even wrote on my, in my notes here, like, as an aside, like bullet point, fan of ta- just tails. Like, you know, if I could, <laughs> else I could just have tails, I would have that. Okay, have you ever played a scene where it was like pin the tail on the donkey and then if you get the tail pinned on you, you turn into a donkey? No, but that sounds awesome and we should totally do it. Um, I did, I've made jokes about it before. A couple of years ago, we went to Palm Springs with some, you know, DL friends of mine uh, and I have my donkey tail that I have. And the donkey tail that I have is like, you have to kind of stick it on because like it's made for a belt loop, but often I'm not wearing pants. So like I need to be able to just tape it on. And so like, I'll tell people, can you just like pin it on me? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never actually done a scene for that, but that would be a great scene. I, I would be really great. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of 
an item you know i for me like the nose is like the focal point like of transformation object, so yeah. uh-huh yeah cursed object transformation I, I that would be cool okay how did abdl stop for you was that like before oh yeah i mean i i have it written right here uh, um oh good <laughs> i mean it was always been from like a young age to be honest like i you know i wasn't potty trained until i was five um i my parents had, had a little bit of a rough time so i think that's maybe some of the reasons like why diapers stuck with me for a mm-hmm. long time is that i never really wanted to get out of them um and you know once i was out of diapers and you know it's kind of it's kind of complicated because like my parents divorced and for a couple of years it was like pretty rough uh, and then my mom remarried and that's like when i started to kind of explore get like get kind of back into it right so like yeah i think this is like when i was like 10 10 or 11 years old um you know i would start to steal like good nights uh, from like you know the neighbor's house who i babysit at um you know i would um wear like a bunch of pairs of underwear all at the same time to get that feeling of of like um diapers and I knew that I was into it, but I, you know, there was not at this time, you know, this is the early nineties. So there wasn't really internet. Um, there wasn't really a community that I could talk to. Um, you know, I knew that it was weird. I also knew that I was like gay and I was like, you know, I lived in the Midwest at the time. So like, you know, wasn't allowed and, uh, it was hard to accept all of that. And so I kind of just like kind of hit it away. Right. Like I, I knew it was something that I was into, but, um, it was something that I was very careful about. Up until the time I was 16 years old, by this time I was like working at a grocery store and I would like sometimes like, you know, take diapers um, or, uh, you know, the attends, like the old school attends that you could get right, right. Uh, with the six tapes or whatever. Um, I would just, cause I worked the night shift. So I would just like maybe swipe a bag and, you know, stealing is bad, but you know, at that time I couldn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to buy them cause I worked with everyone in the grocery store and it would have been weird. But anyway, so I had like, I had like a, you know, not a bunch, but I had some diapers like in my dresser at home and I would wear them sometimes from some time to time. Well, when I was 16, I was in a really bad car accident, like super bad. I had a, I was in the hospital for a really long time and they had to cut all my clothes off me when I was in the car accident. So cut to my parents going home and trying to find clothes for me to bring to the hospital and instead finding a bunch of diapers and being like, and then so like imagine this like okay so just been in a terrible car accident i'm like super fucked up i'm completely naked i'm like attached to like they've got you know ivs in my arms and in my hands and i'm like in this bed and i'm just kind of out of it and i'm on drugs and my parents are like you know i was well enough that i could talk but I, you know i was still recovering and so they come in i can't go anywhere and they're like so uh we found diapers in your dresser at home like what's that about and i was just like no i was like no i don't want to have this conversation but i can't get out because i'm tied to this hospital bed <laughs> oh god it was like it was literally the worst thing ever um and you know like <laughs> i mean, I mean <laughs> you know what i mean i mean we're in a car i would open the door and just fall out onto the highway but you know i was in the hospital <laughs> that I couldn't do anything. Oh I was trapped. <laughs> so you've just had like the worst thing happen to you in this accident that you have <laughs> gone through and you're in hospital and now this is happening. Yeah, it's the worst. I love that this is the worst part. The worst physical thing that's ever happened to me and the worst emotional <gasps> thing that's ever happened to me both at the exact same time. I mean, I'm sorry, but what, that's such a... <laughs> That's such a hostile time to ask anything yeah. of you. Yeah, my mom definitely could have waited to ask me that question. Yeah. She decided to ask me then. 
And then I just kind of pretended that I was like heard and that I was like on drugs and I was like, oh, I don't know, I can't. Uh, and then um, they brought it up after I was out of the hospital again. And I honestly like just stonewalled them. I just did not respond to their questions. And then we never spoke about it again. <laughs> yeah, fair fucking enough. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, come on, guys, put two and two together. Well, maybe that's a bit unfair. Yeah, I mean, uh, no. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like those conversations I never want to have with my family. And I was like, you know, I was 16 at the time. So I was old enough to know that, like, this is something that I'm into. It's something that's just for me. It's not something that I need to explain to you. Um, I yeah. think you're concerned or you're maybe like, you know, worried that I'm like a creep or whatever. Um, I don't know how I can allay those fears for you, because even if we talk about it, it's not going to make you feel any better. So we're just going to ignore it, right? Until I'm out of the house and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm also just kind of like, what did they really think the worst? I mean... Probably thought I was a pedophile. (laughs) I mean, truly though, right? That's what most people go to. I mean, really? Like, that's not... Those two things don't... Like, I mean, it would... They would be for you, right? Like, it would be like you're wetting the bed or something. It's not like you're... I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you also have to remember the time, right? So this is like the early 90s, like, queer stuff still like isn't you're just coming out of the AIDS crisis right you know my parents didn't know I was gay we lived in the Midwest my mom was a Catholic like you know it wasn't you know they weren't ready to be like progressive accepting parents like at that moment I will say now we've gotten to a place where you know my mom loves me and you know she accepts that I'm queer and you know but that was like a journey right you know that was that that took some time to, to do and I mean not to kind of get all on my horse about it but I think it's it's really important for queer people and you know just you know non-gender conforming people in general to also make sure that you know they give their parents some space because like if I had come out of the gate like queer and been like this is just me you need to deal with it and like been in my parents face about it me and my mom probably wouldn't have the relationship that we have today I needed to give her some space to kind of absorb it right and that meant there was a couple of years where we didn't really talk about it you know i would shut her down if she tried to like be derogatory right but thankfully she never was derogatory um because like it was important for me to create my space and and validate myself but i also was trying to slowly acclimate her to to the realization and over time like we got there right over time like she changed and um or, you know, she just made, was able to make space in her heart for it. And I'm really gr- grateful for that because not, you know, not everyone has parents that are as supportive um, as my parents are. So that's really great. It's sad when that happens in any case, but it's also sad when someone posted something on Twitter that I, I commented on a little while back um, about how they'd gotten into an argument with their parents because their parents had said he basically said, you know, you, you guys treat me differently to my siblings and I really don't appreciate that. And and it makes me feel, you know, weird. And they basically turned around and were like, well, we have to accept this thing about you and think about how hard that is, you know, that we have to see past it. And I thought that's so sad that these people feel like they have to, they're, they're putting a condition on their love to their child that they have to see past this. Right. And yeah, like sometimes that's just not going to change. And it's like, that's, so sad and that's the thing that i think you know again i don't want this to be like oh i love my mom but like that's the thing i really (laughs) like about my mom a lot is that you know she is a very empathic person and it even when she was struggling with my queerness and like my identity there was never a sense that she didn't fully completely unconditionally love me 
right? That was never a question. What I think was hard for her was just like balancing her like her religious ideology with a changing, you know, socio, uh, you know, social world, right? And um, trying to, to kind of merge the two where she could still be faithful to her faith, which, you know, to be true, like she had been a Catholic a lot longer than I had been alive, right? So to ask her to be like, just abandon all of that, you know, out of the gate, that's like, you know, years and years of indoctrination, church every Sunday, that kind of stuff. That's not something that can just disappear Mm -hmm. with a snap of a finger, right? And so, you know, I recognize that she loved me unconditionally. She always said so. And when we would talk about it, she's like, I'm just trying to process, right? And so, you know, I think she was very, you know, again, it wasn't always easy, but I think that she was very um, clear that the the love piece was never in question. It was more about just trying to figure out how to incorporate that into her, you know, her, you know, life space, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, no, it does. It's, I guess uh, it's always difficult to, I mean, you talk about the 90s and how that's just coming out the AIDS crisis and it's like, Fuck! That was not long ago. That was yeah. not long ago. No, and I'm I'm about to turn forty this year, so I'm like I'm getting up there, right? You know, but I remember, and I think a lot of queer people today, you know, a lot of younger queer people don't remember or recognize that even just like twenty years ago, like gay sex was illegal. Like you couldn't do it in the United States. It was a federal, like it was unconstitutional. <laughs> like there were laws against it, right? Until the Supreme Court stepped in and, and changed it. Um, so, you know, we're not talking about that long ago where, you know, the attitudes have changed. And even more specifically in the kink community, you know, up until about 10 years ago, before you really had the tumblers and like, you know, kink Twitter and things like that, there were a lot of like individual niche sites, but kink was also kind of like, you know, not really accepted. There was a lot of stigma, you know, and there continues to be stigma. I think it's getting less because there's more visibility, but even just like 10 years ago, I wouldn't wear diapers the way I wear today 10 years ago. Right? And yeah. um, I, again, so a lot of younger people who are coming into the scene maybe don't recognize that. I also had a really good conversation with a friend of mine, you know, a few years ago, where we were talking about the AIDS crisis specifically. And when I was growing up, there were really no gay elders for me to kind of talk to, to learn from, to kind of show me the way. Because a lot of the people who would have been my gay elders died during the AIDS crisis. And what we had was like a whole generation of leaders, um, you know, you know, uh, content makers, uh, political activists who died. And as a result, the queer liberation movement kind of stalled through the 90s and the early 2000s because there wasn't people there to push that agenda forward. And what we're seeing now with like this explosion in like non-binary people, transgender identity, like, you know, non-conformative identities, like all of that stuff is is a direct um, consequence of having that like gap. And then people then rising up and now having leaders and people that they can look to and things that are visible and that's starting to to push this whole this whole explosion of like queerness that we're experiencing now probably would have happened 20 years ago had the aids crisis been handled a little bit better does that make sense yeah at least that's like i mean i'm i'm with you there in the sense that like when we talk about it as a crisis and we talk about how it was handled it was like let's not forget that the very deliberate way in which it was 
treated as nothing and ignored and allowed to happen. Right. And an entire generation was lost. And we see echoes of that today with this monkeypox crisis. Like, I, I can tell you, I went, so in San Francisco right now, we can't get vaccines through our doctors, right? The only way you can get a vaccine is if you go to the hospital and you basically wait in line in the morning. And when they run out, they run out. I went there yesterday got there at 6 a.m. I was the 300th person in line. I waited for three hours, couldn't get a vaccine. They were like, come back again wait. sometime. Wait, 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 wait. You were the 300th person at 6 a.m.? At 6 a.m. There were people that had been waiting there since two in the morning. It was crazy because people are desperate to get this vaccine. And the rollout in America Whoa. is really shitty. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that have been bad about it, but it's like, it's funny to think about the AIDS crisis and just how that was completely mismanaged. And because it was like, oh, it was a gay community, like maybe we didn't really care. And you, and whether it's intentional or not, whether it's the same or not, it feels the exact same now with this monkeypox crisis because the government is just now starting to get into it. But, yeah. you know, it's been spreading in Africa for decades and nobody seemed interested in doing anything yeah. about it. And we had millions and millions of vaccines that we stockpiled both here and in Europe. Had we sent those vaccines to Africa and treated the endemic problem there, we wouldn't be having an outbreak like we are now. But, you know, it's again, that goes back to like health policy, like what populations we think are deserving. And, you know, the only reason they're starting to get traction now in America is because young kids are starting to get it. And people are like, oh, gosh, we got to do something. And it's like, where were you guys six weeks ago when it was all gay men? You know, no one thought that that was a big problem, but now kids are getting it and straight people are getting it. And suddenly it's like, oh, we got to have a vaccine program. It's just kind of- Yeah, and I, I guess it's also like, is it better or worse that the, uh, the attitude is kind of to ignore it in the sense that is it actually better than before? Whereas with the AIDS crisis, people were very vocal about how they were ver like very deliberately, yeah, whatever, we don't care. I mean, let them die. Whereas now politicians might not say that, but is it now just a bit more insidious? Like, is it just a bit more, oh yeah, well, whatever. We're not going to say it out loud, but we're, but we're still going to, you know, not do anything about it. Yeah. I, you know, it just comes down to a failure of imagination, right? Because like diseases don't care if you're straight or if you're gay, right? Diseases oh, right. Yeah. just going to spread in the community. And so if you have that thinking, then you're lacking an imagination in a world in which it gets out of the gay community and then suddenly it's in schools, right? Or suddenly it's like, yeah. you know, you can't go to concerts anymore because if you go yeah. to a concert, you bump up to somebody, you can get it, right? Like Until it happens things, to you, yeah, yeah. Those are the things that are really, um, you know, going to matter if it becomes like a big problem. But people who aren't recognizing that that's a possibility just lack the imagination to see like where these things go. And it's almost like people didn't pay attention during COVID for the last few years because like, didn't yeah. we just do this? Like, we just like, did, and we're still doing this. We're just pretending we're not doing it anymore. Yeah, like I don't know. pretending that COVID isn't happening anymore. Is it, doesn't mean other things. Right. That doesn't mean that uh, diseases don't exist anymore. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I just got disease fatigue. I remember the first like real bad cold that I got after lockdown, just from being locked down. I didn't go anywhere for like a year and a half. So I just, like the first flu that came across, I was like, I just remember thinking like, fuck, this is going to be this way for a long time. Everything is going to be like this. I also had this kind of like weird thought about the way that it was being messaged. The monkeypox specifically was all about like men who have sex with men, right? Like that's how they're getting it. And even in that statement, the implication is that it's like we're having sex with each other and that's how we're getting it. And, you know, I had this thought that like, you know, it's not, not necessarily people having sex 
a lot of like what I like to do is not necessarily have penetrative sex. I just like to like physically be close to people, to touch right. people, to like have bodies together. And I'm like, it sounds to me like gay men are just experiencing physical intimacy in a way that straight people just aren't because straight people don't fucking touch each other ever. They have these <laughs> loveless marriages and they have these loveless relationships where they just like pound one out, you know, during a night of rage sex. But then when it comes to like cuddling or touching or just like being physically intimate, people don't do that. And I was like, does that mean that the gay people are wrong or the straight people are wrong? <laughs> Obviously, I'm generalizing here, and I don't know if that's true. There's no data to back that up. But, like, it's just funny to me to think about, like, you know, intimacy doesn't necessarily mean sex. It can just mean being close to people. And right. I hate this kind of messaging that it's it's that's a sexually transmitted disease because, like, that, it's not a sexually transmitted disease. It's a disease no. that just happens that gets, you know, transmitted when people are physically close to each other. Right. And we should yeah. be physically close to each other more often. Like we should be hugging our friends, touching our friends, you know, you know, um, uh, and I, I feel as a society, there's not um, a lot of opportunities in non-sexual ways to be physically close to people because all physical touch has kind of been relegated to like, you know, sexy time. And yeah, absolutely. You know, but like there are so many countries where that's not the case. And I like, sometimes I've been really surprised because I'm just like, Oh no. Yeah. Like two men can kiss to greet each other or hold hands. It doesn't make them gay. Like, you know, it, it's, it's such a weird, like Western repression that like, any form of touch, I say Western, that's that's a massive generalization because then also if you go very far east, you get that as well. But like, yeah, it's funny to me that that's, we, we demonize intimacy in normal situations and then all you have left is sex. And then you have the stigma added on, oh, well, all these men are getting it. They must be, you know, it must be their their risky life choices. And then it becomes- that's the implication, right? The implication right. is like, oh, they're having sex with tons of people and like, that's why they're getting it. And it's it's really annoying. The CDC actually had a tweet like two weeks ago where it was talking about, like there was the first two cases of um, kids in the United States that had gotten monkeypox. And it was like, I think it was like an eight-year-old and like a, like a 16-month-year-old or something like that. And one in California and one in Georgia. And the headline was like, you know, two children, you know, 18 months and, you know, eight years old test positive for monkeypox, both known to have close contact with uh, bi and uh, queer and, and gay men. Um, and it's like headlines like that, that make Whoa. that make it seem like these kids have been assaulted or touched inappropriately in some way because of the messaging around it being an STD. And with all the stuff that's happening in Texas against trans people and stuff in Florida against like LGBT people, headlines like that are dangerous, right? The CDC should be so dangerous. careful about how they're messaging that because there's a whole segment of the, the country that's going to read that and think, oh, gay men are molesting children and giving them this disease, which both stigmatizes the children and stigmatizes, you know, queer communities in general at a time when it's already not very safe in this country to be outwardly queer in some areas because there's a lot of animosity and a federal organization that's doing messaging around health and that kind of stuff should be really careful and thoughtful about how they're messaging that. And I just feel like it hasn't been the case. And it makes me nervous as a queer person because you already have like all these terms flying around like, oh, you're a groomer, you're a pedophile, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. And now you add the disease vector on top of it. and that's how you become a stigmatized community. Like it's, it's not awesome. 
Yeah, it's very not awesome. Even just the association of like, oh, they were near queer people, whether or not it's like, I mean, that is the fuel on the fire of queer people shouldn't be parents, queer people shouldn't be allowed near kids, they shouldn't, you know, be teachers, whatever. And it's just everybody wants to get in everybody else's business. And this kind of goes back to kink, too, which is like, what if I decide to wear a diaper, then like, what is business? It's not your business. Yeah, fuck off. I like to wear like a donkey on the internet. I like it, you know, and, you know, it's like, you don't have to like it, right? right. I like Coca-Cola. You can drink Pepsi. That is totally fine. No one's telling you that you can't have the Pepsi, but don't come over here and tell me that I can't have Coca-Cola anymore. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> You'll be so disappointed to hear that my favorite drink is water. Is it really? <laughs> I shouldn't drink as much soda as I do. I, you know, I'm much better about it now, but, um, oh gosh, it just tastes so good. I, I think water tastes good and people think I'm crazy. You are incorrect, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. On that note, let's let's take a quick break because I need to alleviate my body of some water and then we can get dumb and break. Okay. Sounds good. All that water. <laughs> it's just good. I don't know. I'm like... You know, I'm very adventurous in many ways, but I just like, I, I'm just like, I don't like soft drinks. How do you feel about tea? Isn't that the thing over there? Tea? Oh yeah. Like, oh, like, I mean, I like alcohol and I drink tea, but, and I'll drink coffee, but, but tea is just like flavored water with a bit of milk. It's yeah, not. But that's, that's what, I, so like for me, like straight up water, no thank you, but tea or nice tea, I'm into it. Do, 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 uh, Britons, do you guys do iced tea? Cause it's always hot when I see you guys having tea. Like, do you? It's like, iced yeah. tea, like not a thing that you, it's a thing, but it's called iced tea. Like you'll only have it in summer. Right. Oh, so you only... like, you'll have a cup of tea like all the time. But like, if it, like you are doing afternoon tea, right? Like someone's like, Oh, you want some tea? Like it's assumed that it's hot unless they say, yeah, it's yeah. Tea. Got it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not even like, I'm not even really English. So I didn't start drinking tea until my American boyfriend, who's like family at English started like as an adult, like started. Get him out of the country, boot him. Security. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he does nice things. He makes things, he makes food and things. Oh, my boyfriend makes I do nothing. Like, so nice. Yeah, like I, 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 our contributions are not. And also he's such a fucking liar because he'll be like, I'll make food and uh, he'll be like, well, this is good. And then he'll make this, um, he made this amazing like beet walnut goat cheese salad. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I would have never thought to do this. And he's like, you cook too. He's like, your food is good too. And I was like, don't fucking lie to me. Yeah. I know food. He does that to me. Like occasionally he'll be like, oh, you know, you'd like, don't cook, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, because every time I do, you tell me, so this is what I would have done differently. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, then. Well, Ian, at least, uh, my boyfriend at least keeps it to himself. <laughs> No, no, he's like, it's it's really good, good effort. You might want to have just like done this though, and I'm like, oh, all right then, you do it, you do it, and I'll just provide you know the much needed sarcasm and uh, emotional. <laughs> he says I provide emotional support. So. Yeah, I do the dishes. That's what I'll do. Oh, I do the dishes. Yeah, we've got a good system because I have no problem doing dishes and I have no problem doing laundry, and he hates dishes and laundry. I don't like cooking and I don't like touching bins and he doesn't mind the bins. So he does, he cooks and takes out the bins and I do the dishes and the laundry. Oh, sounds you got it all figured out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. So I was just thinking while I was peeing, I was just thinking about how like headspace is such a useful tool. Like, so I came into ABDL really late, like 
and from there got into putt play again super late like so headspace for me was not like it was kind of alien and when i started to enjoy it i really loved the whole idea of switching my mind off because mm. i mean i will doom scroll myself into insomnia you know just like same it, it, it yeah it, it's it's really nice to switch off sometimes and i'm wondering do you have like a donkey space that is just it's nice to just yeah so it's interesting <clears throat> so like um I definitely like if I get into I've been getting into like gooning a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I find that to be like my my good donkey zone because it's like I just I'll do a little bit of poppers and then I'll just like really let myself get super dumb and get into the donkey space. And, uh, you know, I have ears and a tail and I have like some buck teeth. And so like all that stuff kind of like helps me get into the the zone. But, you know, typically when I'm running a scene, I tend to be like the donkey top. So like I'm the one that's transforming somebody or like I'm the one that's, mm. you know, leading that part of it and I'm dumbing them down. Uh. Um, you know, um, I don't really, I haven't really played with anyone who's like flipped it for me um, because like usually people that I'm doing with, it's like they're new to the scene. So like I'm like guiding it, you know, in a certain yeah. way. Yeah, um, There was a guy that I used to play with in... Um, when I was in grad school, who was in the same grad program as me, who was also really into donkey stuff, like just randomly. And uh, we, used, I, we used to go over to his house and like, you know, we'd smoke a joint and get like a little stoned and then we would just go to town on each other. And that was really hot. Um, but I haven't wow. done that with anyone in a while. Um, There's another guy in Boston that I used to see the same, same kind of thing. And that was always really hot. We just haven't, haven't really done it in a while. Since the pandemic, it's mostly just been, you know, stuff through chat or like, you know, I've done a few um, things on cam. I don't that typically like to be on cam unless it's like something mm -hmm. I know really well, just because I, um, I don't like the sound of my own voice. And I also feel like I look like an idiot. So, um, <laughs> uh, well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? Well, like, like, uh, yes, you're right. It is. It is kind of the point. But I don't know. I just, I get self-conscious when I see myself, right? Like I don't even like to see myself in the mirror, like when I'm naked and stuff like that. I don't, I don't like to physically see my own form. Don't perceive me. Um, I, <laughs> but I do like, I do like taking somebody else there. Right. So like, there's actually a mm -hmm. guy that um, comes over to my place pretty, not regularly, but like, you know, at least once a month and has me turned into a pig. And I really like those sessions because he gets really into it and like just completely, like his mind just goes away and um, I get to, to run that scene and whisper all sorts of naughty things to him as he's like a pig and, you know, making me eat out of this trough that I have. Like, uh, um, and it's, you have a trough. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's important to me to like, for the scene to, to really get somebody there. Right. Um, so like you, you know, physical accoutrements, I think are really helpful. So like, I have like a pail yeah. that I put into him. Right. We have the trough, like I'll, I'll, I basically mix slop before he gets here and then make him meet the slop without his hands. Cause I, I'll put his hands in mitts. Pig nose, pigtail, pig slop. Yeah. That stuff is, um, is definitely helpful to get into the space. And I, I want to be clear when I say that, cause like, you know, there's sometimes like, um, what I would consider like, uh, you know, uh, conspic uh, conspicuous consumption, uh, of fetishes where it's like, you see this in the pop community a lot where it's like, I have to have the hood, I have to have the harness, I have to have the tail, I have to have all this stuff uh -huh. and it can be expensive. And that's kind of a barrier to kink to people. Um, yeah. The accoutrements don't have to be things that you buy, right? Like the slop is something totally. that I make, you know, I make it basically from oatmeal and like berries and stuff, you know, something that wouldn't, it doesn't have too much of a strong flavor, but if it gets messy, it's not like going to like 
hurt your skin or be weird, right? Or like leave right. the smell. Um, so there's things like that that you can do to kind of help you get into the space. It's just a matter of being creative. Um, uh, and so I, I find that to be really helpful and then, you know, brings that person there because then it makes them all of the more malleable in the scene, right? Like you can, you know, whisper naughty things to them or tell them to, you know, grunt and oink for you or, you know, um, get on their hind legs or whatever. And they're, they're just ready to accept that stuff because like they're mentally in the scene. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much so. I, I, I love the level of immersive, um, whenever something props for me are, are kind of how I enter any kind of, I mean, I mean with a clown play, I feel like props are like part of the whole thing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean like it, it absolutely, the, the, the nose for me is like the big thing. And then the same for like ABDL play, like putting me in a diaper just immediately makes me feel little and same for like, it's funny that you say that. Cause it's like, for me, I really like dressing up like, you know, outside of donkey play, outside of TF and ABDL stuff, I just like, dressing up. So I have like a lot of costumes that I will like sometimes put on. I have like, mm-hmm. I have an entire drawer full of tails, like different kinds of tails. I have like tons of donkey tails, obviously, but I have like draft tail. I have like a dinosaur tail. I have like other kinds of tails. Right. I, uh, and I, part of what I like about ABDL play is that, that there is kind of this playful element of like being a kid and getting to dress up like a pirate or getting to dress up yeah. like, you know, like a ninja. And like, that is kind of fun. And I think as adults, we kind of lose that or like we reserve it for like one day of year. And then like, if you mm-hmm. do it outside of that day, you know, you're kind of like, Oh, that's weird. And it's like, fuck you. I'll wear whatever I want. My birthday is at the end of August every year. Um, and I usually do like what a haunted birthday where it's like a, a costume party. And so oh, people come over, but you have to be in costume. If you don't come in costume, you can't come into the party. But luckily I have, a whole trunk of costume yep. by the door. So if you don't yep. come in costume, then I get to decide what costume you get to wear. And, um, you know, most people probably don't want to be the donkey or the jackass at the party, but you will be if you don't come up in costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do all of that as well. Uh, I, I love Halloween is my favorite time of year and oh, dressing up and oh my god, love it, love it, love it. And I, I think as well, maybe there is something to that where in kink, we get to play those desires out as well in like a sexual way, which is fun. I mean, I I even love like being made to wear like a dumb Halloween costume, like being dressed as a pirate can be really hot. Like, especially if someone dresses you, like I really like having uh, someone control what, you know, I I get to wear and picking out the most embarrassing thing or, or dressing you in a certain way and then making you act like that thing. You know, you have to talk like a pirate now or you have to, sure, you know, sure, yeah. stuff like that. And I think that is the element that I really like about like you put in buck teeth and now you're forced to kind of, you know. Oh my gosh, those buck teeth are so great. I love, mm. I have a couple of different pairs, but uh, I think I, the one I have that I really like is like the Billy Bob pair that I got from Amazon, but they like, they're real big and they make you look real dumb and they're fantastic. Ugh, I'm going to need to get some. And for the the pig scene that I do, um, the guy comes like he, uh, we you, you can buy like these like werewolf tusks or these werewolf things like on Amazon, same kind of thing that does like the Billy Bob teeth, but I flip them upside down and put them on his lower, on his lower teeth. So they're like pig tusks that come out. So like as he's like eating and it's like the tusks, you know what I mean, coming out of his mouth. So again, like just thinking about ways to be creative and to kind of take things that you might have and use for something else, but then you choose them for kinkware. Um, 
this can be really fun. I love doing that. I love repurposing stuff for kinkware because that's what, well, and so many of us had to do growing up. Like I didn't have stuff. Like I, I made a, um, I used to make clown noses out of like, uh, you know, like baby bell cheese, they come in like yeah, a yeah, yeah. The red cheese. Yeah, yeah. The wax. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or anything like that. I mean, getting creative with your kinks is really fun. And especially if you were like a crafty kid and you, you put stuff together, I think that's really cool. It's like the same thing with like, you know, cause sometimes I will combine the donkey play and the ABDL play together. Um, and I've gotten a couple of people who've been like, Oh, that's like really novel. And I'm like, I don't, it seems like really, it makes a lot of sense. You see diaper pups out there. Like why shouldn't you see diaper donkeys out there? Right. Yeah. Um, and it's a way of like bringing those two things together. Right. So it's like, you know, I've got my diaper on and I've got like a little bit of the tail. Um, I also think that it helps, uh, um, distinguish me. Like I've gone to a couple of events and it's like, there's not a bunch of like, donkey dl boys there and so it's like it's a whole conversation starter it's a way to kind of talk to people about it also you know uh it can be a kind of fun to fidget with my tail and you know you know people will compliment me on it it's a it's a it's an entry point into a conversation or entry point into talking about you know the things that i'm into um and i really enjoy that i would love to get dressed up uh by you (laughs) oh i would love to dress you up i bet you would be really cute (laughs) Uh uh-huh what would what would you uh what's happening to me so we would probably want to combine some of your clown stuff with some of my donkey stuff so like um do you know rob clark are you familiar with him at all very like his so his art like um i've been a big follower of him for a long time we've never actually talked but he's like into donkey stuff some in some capacity i don't i don't know in what capacity it is but it's in his art a lot um but he has this thing where he has like these like big doofy clowns with like the big nose and I could see like you with like the big ears, maybe like a dunce cap with the big nose, right? Just kind of doing uh-huh. like donkey dance like on stage like he does in some of his artwork. Um, I'd be really into that, you know, and then maybe like a tail on or something like that too. Mm-hmm. It would really be, yeah, I think that that would be really hot. Make you maybe honk your nose and bray. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Honk, yeah. Honk, 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 honk. <laughs> you are so good at that. Years of practice. Um. <laughs> okay, I need to perfect my my break because mine is still a bit. I'm still kind of sounding it out, right? I'm still a bit. Ee-haw. I think it's it's like it's the approach is different. Everyone takes a little bit of a different approach, like, um, and I don't know how to articulate how I kind of landed on my specific style of braying, but it's the style that I like, and it's kind of it's more. I think guttural because it's not like I'm saying hee haw hee haw. Even though I do sometimes say that as like as a, a way to be funny, but it's more like kind of coming from like deeper in my throat. So it's more like hee haw hee haw hee haw hee haw hee haw hee haw hee haw. You know, really getting into that kind of the guttural sounds in there, and that's what I like. You know, to really, especially like if I've been, I have like a hit of poppers or something like that, and my brain is all like in my head then it's like it's really just like oh 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 and like just getting real dumb i'm into that i'm really into that wow uh yep i'm you need to take another break (laughs) feeling dumb (laughs) uh well actually we're kind of coming to to the hour mark almost okay so i was gonna ask you if you had something you want to shamelessly plug or, or or anything like that because I like to end on a high. I like to end on, you know, like a, a positive thing. Sure. Um, so this is kind of like a weird thing to plug maybe. Um, I'm not I'm not sure, um, but I'm just going to do it anyway. So 
Um, I'm also kind of like late to the game on this. Like, you know, it's, it would happen a while ago, but since we're like talking about kink and just like accepting yourself and like, you know, learning how to like kind of go on that journey and how it's like different for everyone. And there's like no right way to do it. I really want to recommend this movie called everything everywhere all at once. Have you seen it yet? Oh, no, oh, I'm like God. dying to, I know, I know I'm dying to, I won't spoil anything, but it's like a multiverse movie and, and we kind of, you know, we, we, we know like what that, the theme of it is, but really the crux of the movie is it's like an emotional movie. It's just really well done. And it's about this idea that like we live lives where we make decisions and there's always this kind of like, well, what if we didn't do this and we did this instead? Like, what is that other person in this other universe, this, you know, whatever. And is that the better choice? Should I have made that choice? And we're always kind of second guessing ourselves. And the, the whole point of the movie is that there is no right way to do anything like love is universal and we fuck up and nothing is perfect and there is no perfect path to the perfect life it's about learning to live with the life that you have and love the things in the life that you have and that um whether those are good things or bad things that doesn't um make you any better or worse of a person right like the decisions you make don't necessarily mean that you don't have value if something bad happens, right? There's no right way to do it. And um, it's just such a beautiful message of a movie. And it's a, you know, I think it's really relevant to people who are into kink stuff because like it, it kind of reinforces this idea that, you know, there's no really right way to live. There's no real right way to be in the world, right? We all kind of forge our own paths. And like, that's part of what's beautiful about being human. I will also say in this movie, there is a tidy whitey scene that I, chef's kiss, great. And there's also, there's, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a scene that is, um, that highlights a, um, a fetish toy of some kind that literally, I've never been in an audience where the entire audience was like on the edge of their seat. Like what is going to happen? Like what? And like myself included, because you see it and you, you immediately know what it is, but it, they're calling it something else. And then they, there's a thing that starts to happen with it. And you're just like, is, is, is this going to be like what I think it's going to be? And I won't spoil it, but it literally had me on the edge of my seat and it is fantastic. <laughs> it is 100% worth it. Okay, if I didn't need to already, I need to see this now. And I would also just secondarily plug their first movie. This is the, the director's second movie. Their first movie is called, um, oh, why am I blanking on it now? A Swiss Army Man. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Daniel Radcliffe is the dead corpse, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Same kind of vibe, right? That movie you think is kind of ridiculous. The premise is outrageous, right? Totally, it's yeah. very weirdly emotionally touching. Like, you're kind of like, what? Like... How is this moving about a farting corpse, like making me like want to cry a little bit about my life, you know? Um, and everything, everywhere, all at once is very similar. It's like it's an outrageous premise, but at the heart of the movie, it's about love and life and the decisions that we make. It's really, it's really great. Can't recommend it enough. That is so awesome. Okay, so mine's a bit, mine's a bit odd. Like I was trying to think of one. Um, earlier today and I came up with a few and I all just I just thought they were all so lame and then <laughs> I, and I, I just man it's it's okay, okay. <laughs> no I just like because I normally I normally plug someone who's doing something cool in the kink community but that's not necessarily like I, I don't know like I was just thinking like 
all, all the things I could think of like got twisted into things that weren't so good. Like I was just thinking, I'm really enjoying my summer. And then I was like global warming. So I just, <laughs> I just started to think, what do I like? What do I actually feel good about? And so my positive today is actually going to be Newsy. So Newsy Baby is a super cool dude and the host of the Newsy's Nook podcast, um, which recently celebrated its 50th episode, which you were on. And he's just got such a fantastic journalistic insight. Like he's he's really good at interviews, but also he, he was one of the first people that I got to know when I started at Playtime um, and made me feel really welcome. So and Newsy's Nook is fantastic. So go check that out. I can confirm. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations to him on, on, on all that continued success, obviously. By the time this comes out, that's like the 50th episode is going to be old news, but whatever. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of my like my thing. He is great. We we actually met in San Francisco. He used to live here. Like right when I first moved here, I met him. And oh, really? He moved to LA like about, you know, I think a couple of months after I lived here, but we hung out once. It was, he was nice. He was really nice. I like him. Yeah, he's awesome. It's obviously I work for a team that's all global, so we actually haven't met in person yet, but um I'd, I'd say everyone on the team has has actually done the same in that, like, I really feel part of the team, uh, even though I'm on the other side of the world. But yeah, he was just one of the first people who really, like, made me feel that way. Um, okay, so to round off, I have, we're on episode seven right now, and I still haven't figured out, like, how to end <laughs> the podcast. I'm sure. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe we should end it with, like, a real good Bray. Oh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. Um, do you want me to start or do you want, how do you want to get into it? I, I guess, I guess, I guess I kind of want you to coach me. I want to get like, okay. I want to go to donkey school. Oh yeah. We can go to donkey school. I'm into that. Okay. Uh, why don't you give me your best spray right now? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that good? <laughs> the hall was really good. You got, you got the hall right. Okay. The he for me is like, again, like kind of more like here in my throat. So I'm like, okay. Oh, oh. I mean, it's almost like I'm taking in the air when I'm saying he. All right, I see. So right? it's like oh, 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 oh. Exactly that. So like the intake is the he, and the, the ha is the outtake. So it's like nice. All right, that's gonna be the sign off. Well, thanks for doing this with me. Um, where can people find you online, by the way? Um, so people can find me at um, Donkey Dope on Twitter, or um, I believe it's uh, donkey.dope at um, Instagram. And those are the two places that I'm at. So um, come find me there. Awesome. As always, I can be found on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I am at uh, tstota on Twitter and the underscore muckle underscore stota on Instagram. All right, I'm going to do one more bray, and that's just going to be it. <clears throat> this is this is the one. This is the one. It has to count. It has to be like perfect. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> Good job, Jackass. Hey there, horny listeners.
We talk a lot about safety on this podcast, and that includes the importance of safe toys that are actually designed for sexual pleasure. Bunny Shop's carefully curated products are body safe and prioritize quality, aesthetics, and safety. Bunny Shop takes a boutique approach to shopping for adult toys, with a wide range from affordable gems to unique luxury items for all experience levels. What I like most about Bunny Shop is the approachability. They've created such a welcoming space, and none of it's dark, intimidating, or feels like it's gatekeeping. And if you like pink, they've got you covered. Bunny Shop also donates a percentage of all sales to a non-profit of your choice. Plus, they ship quickly and discreetly. Let go of your shyness and embrace your self-love journey with confidence. Save 20% off your order today when you use my code BIGTOP. Visit bunnyshop.com, that's B-U-N-N-Y-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. Spelt with two P's and an E at the end. Don't be shy, let your freak flag fly.